0: This episode is sponsored by National Treasures Artists in Residence. National Treasures funds artists' participation in artists in residence programs during their twilight years. They also forge mentorships so that expertise honed over years will be passed along one on one to a younger generation of artists and memorialized in a digital library. Visit nationaltreasuresair.org. On this episode, we have Mitchell Schwint. Mitchell was born and raised in the Midwest and studied in North Dakota. He developed a passion for medicine while young and opted to attend medical school. He did his residency in emergency medicine. He has been a fan of being very active, doing martial arts and sports for years, and then began running triathlons. He opted for a fellowship in functional and sports medicine at the American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine. Mitchell opted to have a CT scan to augment his training, and in so doing, found out he had an aneurysm that required immediate surgery. This impacted many of his lifestyle choices, including choosing to adopt a plant-based diet. He's also an entrepreneur, having founded several businesses, including leading online courses and launching a few podcast titles. Mitchell, thank you so much for being on our show.
1: Absolutely. My pleasure.
0: It's really great to have you. Um, I see that you've spent a lot of time in uh, uh, the Midwest and uh, in the middle part of the country, but uh, I was curious, where were you born?
1: I grew up in North Dakota, just a a small city of about 10,000 people when I was there and uh, went to college in North Dakota and then uh, medical school as well. And then moved out to uh, Michigan for uh,
0: residency uh, at Michigan State. Gotcha. So you're in Lansing uh, after North Dakota
1: uh, Grand Rapids, uh, one of the campuses, uh, Michigan state.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Uh, and, uh, do you have siblings?
1: I've got one older brother who's in, uh, Fresno.
0: Okay. California. Yeah. Nice. Is he also a physician?
1: No, he's a pharmacist. Uh, he spent some time uh, making, uh, uh, nutrient or, um, radioactive drugs. And now he, uh, I think manages a few of, uh, Targets corporate chains or something along those lines.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. And uh, family-wise, do you come from a lineage of physicians or healthcare workers? No,
1: no, not at all. I have one uncle who's a pharmacist, but uh, the rest are farmers and ranchers and uh, electricians. Uh, My mom was a librarian and my dad was a a variety of things, but eventually ended up in banking industry.
0: Okay. Uh, Gotcha. So uh, what do you think it was that uh, piqued your interest in the study of medicine?
1: I can pin it down to a pivotal moment. Uh, nice. My dad's best friend in high school was my uh, junior high science teacher. Okay. And just a fascinating guy. And uh, I remember he brought out the skeleton. When I was, I don't know, 13, I suppose, at the time. And just kind of fell in love with uh, biology and anatomy and the body and just kind of blossomed from there.
0: Nice. Okay. No turning back. So you, even in college, you knew that you were destined for med school.
1: For the most part, I mean, I, I kind of wanted to be a a James Bond as a kid. I watched (laughs) all the James Bond movies. And so, you know, I got my scuba certificate. And when I was in high school, I started to learn to fly. And so I I thought about being a pilot for a while, but I had so many friends that were just, you know, pumping gas on the flight line. Uh, And I went to the University of North Dakota, which is a huge aviation school. And, uh, Saw what they were going through, and I knew I'd made the right choice uh, for a variety of reasons, including longevity.
0: Got you. Well, and uh, but you've done uh, a private pilot's license, I saw. Correct. Yeah. So, how often are you able to fly?
1: I don't anymore. It came down to, you know, deciding, you know, as my family began to grow and realizing that, you know, I wanted to be proficient, and that takes some time and expense and, and time away from family. And so, I didn't think that I could fly enough to maintain a level of proficiency where I'd feel safe um, taking my kids up and so sure. just kind of let it go.
0: Sure. Gotcha. Understood. Well, you've also spent some time doing uh, triathlons, marathons, uh, endurance training, yep. and martial arts. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, that James Bond thing yeah. coming, coming back to fruition. So it's, it's, it's incredible. Um, and so uh, when did that uh, passion mm-hmm. strike you?
1: Uh, you know, the martial arts thing, uh, just watching some of the old Bruce Lee movies as a kid, and uh, one of my training buddies from, from, from hockey thought it would be a great idea to start some martial arts for flexibility and off season conditioning. So I started that when I was uh, in high school. And uh, up until some injuries uh, this winter, I've been doing various forms of martial arts uh, ever since that point in time.
0: Gotcha nice and um and the, the sort of the track and field, the triathlon marathon endeavors when did they uh, do that
1: I think that was well, my wife is a runner, and she <laughs> was, you know ran Boston and ran Chicago and then uh, just a, a number of high profile uh, races and so I thought oh well, I should I should probably push myself physically to do something a little more, and so I started doing triathlons and trail races and, uh, you know, some marathon type stuff. And then I, I was training for a Spartan race. Uh, and that was in 2016, Was I was training for a Spartan race, uh, which I didn't, I didn't finish.
0: Okay, that was just that was a short period of time ago. Uh, it's really yeah. impressive, Mitchell, you stayed uh, incredibly active. Um, I noticed on your profile, you also did a uh, fellowship in uh, functional and sports medicine. Uh, which uh, institution was that with? It was with A4M,
1: the Academy of Anti-Aging. Okay. Um, yeah.
0: That's not the Andy Weil Institute, right? A, no, no, it's a different. little
1: similar philosophy, but a little different. Uh, I got into the sports medicine part of it first, just as I was training for endurance events and things like that. And um, then I I'd, I'd thought about opening my own brick and mortar functional medicine practice. But uh, as I got more into it and my wife is a dentist and her practice was really busy Mm. and just realized that you know one of us had to make a decision or a sacrifice and so i'm, I'm happy for the training uh you know in, in essence it saved my life uh but i uh i never did open the practice
0: okay well that's a really juicy comment uh, the training saved <laughs> your life uh, share with us about that experience
1: you know i think the the universe has a, a way of connecting people for a variety of reasons and um similar to how we connected on linkedin uh a physician colleague reached out and said, hey, I see you're doing some triathlons. I do too. Uh, you might want to think about uh, some nutritional products that I, I sell. And so we connected and uh, he got me into A4M. And as I was going through the Functional Medicine Fellowship, started thinking more about heart health and thought, you know, I should probably have a CT scan of my heart just to see if I have any blockage, even though I'm healthy and I'm young. I like an occasional cigar and sometimes my diet isn't as clean as it should be.
0: Mm. And so
1: I got the scan done and it was, as I was training for the Spartan race that I mentioned earlier and I have zero blockage, which was awesome. And then two weeks later, I got a letter from the same cardiology group that had read the initial scan and I wasn't even going to open it. I was just going to file it away, but I thought something was just nagging at me to open it. So I opened it and said, you have a very large aneurysm in your chest this needs immediate surgical attention please see someone as soon as possible oh, wow and so it's kind of a, a kick in the teeth yeah. as I was doing all these crazy you know training evolutions and getting ready for something very physical uh, so had I not you know met that person gone through the functional medicine uh, training I would have never got that CT scan done and uh, the pathology showed that the aneurysm was already beginning to to break down and so I would I wouldn't be talking to you right now had I not done all that. So it was just, uh, the stars aligned and I guess brought me uh, back to reality.
0: (laughs) Wow. Wow. It's a a, a life-saving event for sure. So you had the invasive, you had the surgical procedure too? I did. Yeah. I went
1: to to Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota and had it done by an Italian surgeon that was sort of uh, famous for this particular procedure.
0: Gotcha. Wow. Well, uh, that's a good thing that that uh, transpired. My gosh. Uh, yeah, sometimes it's interesting to marvel just where the universe puts us, um, kind of sometimes where we need to be.
1: Exactly. Yeah, yeah it's, it's important to uh, try not to ignore those whispers sometimes.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, and speaking of Minnesota, you spent quite a bit of time living there. It looked like you had a number of different postings uh, in Minnesota. Is that where you settled and started your family?
1: Yeah, after residency, uh, my wife's mom, uh, unfortunately, had leukemia, and we wanted to be closer to her as she was getting some of her treatments, and so we ended up moving back to Minnesota in the Twin Cities area where I practiced uh, uh, in several emergency departments for a while, and then we had an opportunity to buy a lake property uh, even closer to her parents' house, and so we we bought that and lived in a a small city, and the kids got to grow up on the lake and fish and ski Mm -hmm. and swim and do all the things that that, uh, northern Minnesota is known for.
0: Yeah,
1: that's great. A good experience
0: yeah um and but now you're living in the Pacific Northwest near Seattle I think
1: correct yeah, yeah. we live on we live on the west side of the cat or the east side of the cascades uh in Oregon it's dry sunny, and others uh, uh, not the, the notorious Minnesota winters to deal with
0: right' <laughs> well, I'm far more comfortable yeah that's for sure well uh, share with us about um singularis which uh, I noted you you launched in 2010 and um I, I just, uh, I mean, I'd love to hear what it's about. I know I at one point it's uh, talked about test-taking strategies. <laughs> so
1: I like to um, iterate and challenge myself and, and, and grow and change. And so when people often say, what do you do? It's really hard for me to put that under just a, a one thumbnail, so to speak. So Singularis evolved from a conference I went to in Las Vegas. I think in like 2009, and it was a group of entrepreneurial physicians, some very high-powered academic people doing some things that at the time I thought were crazy. You know, they were building instruments, they were investing in real estate, they were writing books, they were starting cooking schools, doing things that really had didn't necessarily have a lot to do directly with patient care and medicine. And I just met some incredible people at that conference that sort of sparked a, an entrepreneurial idea in my head. And so Singularis was the start of that. Uh, to allow me to create a, a variety of things under that platform from online courses to mentoring to coaching to consulting uh, it just sort of spans a, a wide range of things that, that some of them are healthcare related and some of them are not it's just an umbrella that i, ha- I keep things under
0: wow very james bond of you <laughs> <laughs> a veritable jack of all trades
1: <laughs> a master of none i guess some
0: would say <laughs> Well, I stopped short of that because uh, <laughs> you've had successes. So uh, uh, one could argue uh, quite the opposite. Um, I also noticed that you have a particular focus on, on men's health. Is that something that was an outcrop of the sports medicine side of your work? A little, a little bit of that. And just uh, unfortunately,
1: I've had a few close friends that uh, died uh, prematurely from health related things, some of whom probably could have been prevented if caught early. And uh, part of it, you know, just the reluctance of men myself included i hate going to the doctor i'll be the first to admit it but you know trying to create a a way that that there could be some information or some resources that men could access that would uh, make the uncomfortableness of going and -hmm. getting health care less of a prevalent issue removing some of the stigma and uh, kind of dealing with some of the more sensitive issues that that, uh, men don't like to talk about with their doctor and other
0: people yeah yeah Uh, absolutely makes perfect sense um and in terms of your sports medicine activity have you um worked with any teams or any athletes
1: just my kids and their local teams and their friends just as they go through their various uh training cycles and and uh injuries and things of that nature
0: gotcha okay um i was very interested in um Uh, Well, just uh, a number of different things that uh, you've gotten involved with uh, lately. Um, I I noticed you're a plant-based nutritionist and and chef. And uh, so are you solely, is that your diet is solely plant-based?
1: For the most part, uh, which has been interesting on this trip, you know, when we bring other kids into our home or on trips. um, I don't have, I have some cheese in the van, but I don't, we don't have any meat or anything of that nature. And so that was also a spinoff of the uh, anti-aging functional medicine uh, project as I began researching ways to improve my own health, uh, I took a, call, a T. Colin Campbell course on uh, nutrition, and then did a uh, Ruby cooking course that was plant-based, uh, which was suggested by uh, a friend as well. And uh, my wife was also making the transition a little bit before me at that time, so uh, you know, took a little bit of doing to get the kids to, uh, to get on board with it. And and now you know when they when they, for example, my son ate some things at a friend's house last week and he was sick for two days because it's just oh. foreign to his system yeah oh. and so every everybody's on board uh <laughs> even starting to be my parents who are in their 70s so that was a, a slow transition for them as well
0: yeah yeah uh, how old were the kids when you transitioned them
1: oh i would say my daughter was probably six okay uh, so about so, nine yeah.
0: years maybe almost a decade
1: the, the milk thing was the hardest you know little yeah. little kids like milk and like cereal and and uh, now they, they don't drink it. They like the milk's.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. And so um, you mentioned this was around the time that you were had, you were at the um, anti-aging uh, Institute. So was that also about 10 years ago or was it prior to that? I think I started the fellowship in 2014 or
1: 13, something oh, of that okay. nature. So it does uh, a lot of trips back and forth. Most of the conferences were held in Vegas. They're held other places, but that's the easiest place for me to get to. And so a lot of, a lot of long weekends, uh, intense educational sessions and uh, some very brilliant minds sharing some uh, novel concepts.
0: Gotcha. And are you still practicing as a emergency room physician?
1: No, the aneur- aneurysm thing was just uh, uh, a wake up call and, and a, I think an opportunity to reinvent life uh, in so many aspects. For example, this is my perception of this, and a lot of my physician friends will disagree with it, and some wholeheartedly agree with it, but just can't get on board. And so we had built the dream home on the lake. My wife was running a full-time cosmetic general dentist practice. She was busy. I was working in the emergency department. I was working at a clinic, doing all these things. And we were you know, raising three kids and just going nonstop. And then we had this aneurysm problem that kind of gave us a dramatic pause in life. And just stepping back and looking at things and just realizing that we don't want to be on this trajectory in another five years. Mm-hmm. So we basically unplugged from everything. I stopped practicing emergency medicine, started pouring more of my time into consulting. We sold our dream home. We sold probably 75% of our possessions. My wife put her dental practice up for sale. And, wow. uh, that was sort of, the, the launch pad to moving uh, from Minnesota to the Pacific Northwest. we got yeah. all those pieces lined up, Everything sold. And, uh, we came out here and fell in love with the place on vacation, and the kids said, "Yeah, we will miss our friends, but let's do it." So uh-huh.
0: okay. here we are. And so, um, would you call this kind of a downsizing? Uh-oh. Oh,
1: for, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Our our housing uh, our housing uh, is uh, cut probably in a fourth of what we had before. <laughs> okay. Which I don't miss mowing grass or shoveling snow or taking care of the boat or any of those things that went along with. Uh, that type of uh, property management.
0: Sure, sure, but I, I would uh, be willing to wager that you and your wife are happier. Absolutely,
1: we have more time together, feel more connected with our kids, and I think we've sort of instilled some values in them, you know, starting before they were teenagers that will hopefully
0: uh, hold them well as
1: they get into their
0: 20s and beyond. Yeah, that's fabulous. Um, you do uh, some teaching, you have uh, an, uh, online courses that you run? I do. Close to 20,000 students. Uh, Share with us about the genesis of that. What prompted it? So so I wanted to learn how to podcast. And when I
1: had my first podcast, it was actually it was about triathlon science and just simple physiology things and and physics things that could be applied for immediate results. And so to find out how to podcast, I, I didn't want to take an expensive course or go away for a weekend. And so I just cobbled together all the tools and things that you needed to do to start a podcast. And I made an outline of it and I thought I should share this somehow, some way. And that was right around the time that a Udemy was forming. And so I just recorded some videos and put them up on Udemy and started getting students signing up from all over the world I've helped some people from Russia, from India, a number of people from the United States launch their podcasts. And it's just fun interacting and being on their shows and seeing them grow. In in the process, just uh, created mostly courses that uh, I had some interest in, but I thought would provide some value for others, uh, including the test taking one that you mentioned. That was a uh, part of a strategy I learned as a a medical resident, how to figure out uh, ways of taking tests, particularly when the material is difficult or foreign or confusing, and to help people successfully navigate difficult exams. And so that, course, was born out of that as well. Oh, that's great.
0: And so um, w- what year did you start the the podcasting courses?
1: Oh, boy, you're taxing my memory here. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably been at least, I'm going to guess six years, I would say, okay. maybe longer. So, gotcha.
0: yep. Um, and uh, was the, the podcast that you started is Recharge? Is, is that the one or was there another one that you had? I've had several over the years and uh, it's what my wife
1: will call high functioning ADHD. You know, I, <laughs> I start something and I grow it for a while and then I, I want to s- uh, shift a different direction. And so I've had a podcast on you know the triathlon training. I had one uh, helping physicians find non-clinical work that they could do, mm-hmm. not necessarily leave their practice, but find things that they could use as a, either a supplement or a stepping stone. And then the recharge podcast, um, just kind of born out of uh, interest to share. Uh, just short little things that I encounter, you know, during the week or the month that I found particularly helpful or, or learned from a mentor or a friend.
0: Gotcha. No, that's great. Um, and so I'd love to hear about some of these uh, businesses you've been involved with, um, uh, particularly um, uh, Point Nurse. Uh, I'm curious whether it's It's blockchain based. And uh, just curious how the, you're using the technology there.
1: Uh, so there's actually two factions there. There's a health combics, which is the blockchain piece of that. And okay. then point nurse is a platform that uh, we're building to help utilize nurse practitioners. A lot of states allow nurse practitioners to, you know, work under their own license without necessarily needing direct supervision. So it can help uh, unburden some of the access to care issues. Uh, for example, in light of this COVID thing, there are some states or employers that are requiring mandatory uh um, visits for pay for people to return to work, which creates a huge tax on the system and a huge expense as well. And so by utilizing nurse practitioners for some of these things that uh, uh, are time-consuming and expensive, I think it will be a way that we can improve access to care and the blockchain part of it um, has to deal with uh, Time is the most precious thing that any of us have, including patients and, and physicians. And, and notoriously doctors run late and behind schedule and that upsets patients. And so by utilizing some of the smart contracts, um, created a program or a platform that can incentivize both the patients and the doctors to be on time and to be prompt and efficient. So that's something that's being built out. And uh, uh, I can't give away too many of the details because it's still an evolution, but uh, I okay. think it will be uh, beneficial. on your
0: future. No, I appreciate that. Certainly keep uh, tabs on it. Uh, I have a habit of investing in wellness companies, so uh, (laughs) let's stay in touch on that one. Um, Also, you've been involved in uh, Genome Medical and uh, Hound Hoist were two others that I saw. (laughs) So those are, again, the James Bond thing, completely unrelated. Um, The
1: Genome Medical thing, the timing was just fortuitous. It was just weeks after my surgery I was home recovering and someone reached out to me and asked me if I would uh, like to be part of this new startup and the the genetic mutation I have that caused the aneurysm was very rare and it just so happened that that I had met a cardiologist from Ireland who had a patient just like me and the surgeon didn't want to operate because it wasn't typically large enough and she said he didn't get operated on he did terrible you have the same size. You have the same genetic problem. Let's get this fixed before your life is ruined. Had I not met her, and she sort of encouraged the surgeon to intervene sooner than later, um, you know, I, I, I wouldn't be sitting here. But, anyways, so that was my interest in the genetic part of it. But, there, you know, the genome medical team is expanding access for a variety of inherited conditions, whether it's you know prenatal screening. Uh, aortic problems like mine, a whole host of neurologic, and then obviously the big one is cancer. And so just making access to a genetic counselor and trying to bring down some of the cost of testing and making it readily available to uh, impact lives is sort of the overall mission. And the Hound Hoist <laughs> is, uh, we, we've always had pets, we've always loved dogs, and the Hound Hoist was just an idea that my wife came up with. Uh, to. Uh, it's basically like a high chair for a dog essentially so we do a lot of hiking and a lot of remote travel and so uh, the little hoist hooks onto a table or whatever and allows our dog to be part of the family so it's a, <laughs> sort of a, a novel project that uh, uh, she came up with and sort of we've gotten our kids involved with as well
0: nice so you did all the prototyping and figured out the engineering of the gadget and so forth
1: figured out that and uh, um, again, like we talked about the universe aligning with meeting people and connections. I went to a conference um, called the World Domination Summit. Okay. And it, when, I, when I tell people that, you know, my parents are like, it sounds militaristic, like weapons <laughs> and guns. And it was just basically entrepreneurial people who wanted to make a dent in the planet from all over the world meeting in Portland, Oregon. And so I met a gentleman there who has a friend who does a business around building products and outsourcing them to other countries like Vietnam, China, and other places where they can get them made. And um, so, working with their team to kind of go through the different stages of customer acquisition and prototyping. And we're in the uh, outsourcing phase right now. So it's been a slow project, it's kind of a on the back burner at times. But uh, uh, we hope to bring it to
0: life here in the near future. Nice. Okay, that sounds great. Well, I, I'm just uh, curious, uh, Mitchell, from your, your perspective, the emergency medicine you've practiced, the aneurysm experience you've gone through, uh, and now you're you're in this consulting mode and you're helping companies and startups. What do you think are the major healthcare issues that we should be addressing?
1: That's a huge topic. <laughs> uh, access definitely is mm-hmm. a huge issue, and the the payment system is um i don't even know where to start with that one just on a personal experience uh you know some of these testing tests are done at the cost of for example i just got a bill for a genetic test i did last year that was three thousand dollars but i know in fact that that test costs less than a hundred dollars to administer and complete and so there's a huge uh incentivization for the middleman in this whole process and so i think that's where some of the blockchain technology and uh, reforming the insurance companies can come into play where you you can create smart contracts and you can create pools and remove a lot of the cost uh, Will be part of it and the technology the COVID has is, is reshaped the way that that many people interact uh, telemedicine is still just a tiny part mm. of the healthcare uh, reality many people are unfamiliar with it or confused by it i talk to patients every day on telemedicine and many of them are surprised that this even exists and they're even more surprised that it's been in existence for nearly a decade and so as as patients become more comfortable partly because of the imposed covid restrictions i think that will bring down some of the access issues and also the cost and uh, the portability of it so i'm sitting here in the forest right now and i talked to several patients from around the country uh, about a variety of men's health issues uh, this morning and uh, it brings me joy to Able to do that and uh, also helpful for them to get their questions answered in a convenient and timely manner.
0: Yeah, that's great. And so um, the, your practice currently focuses on men's health and doing it in a telemedicine format. Um, how do uh, patients find you?
1: There are a variety of um, big players in the market like MD Live and telemedicine, uh, Roman. Uh, Roman has a female health side called. Um, Rory. I think it's called Get Rory or Meet Rory. I can't remember the exact name of it. And so there are there are a variety of companies that are popping up uh, in that space and physicians sign on as generally as independent contractors, uh, sometimes as employees, and uh, then patients can find them that way. Gotcha. Okay.
0: Um, have you ever had the desire, the impulse to start up a company of your own? In the telemedicine space? Or in healthcare broadly or any other area? I mean, you've done some uh, of that in some singular areas in the education side, but, uh,
1: sure. I don't think so. I, you know, I, I've been in healthcare. I was an EMT in college at the age of 19. So I've been in healthcare for 30 years almost. And yeah. so it's time for another chapter. And, uh, trying to try to navigate the changing educational system and trying to create maybe something that I could do with my kids as they get into their late teens and early twenties, that uh, could be something that would be part of a, a legacy I could leave them with. Oh. So that, that's my, that's my, as I'm sitting here in the forest this week, I've had plenty of time to think and <laughs> that's sort of been my musing on my, uh, uh, afternoon runs uh, yeah. through the trees. So.
0: Oh, I love that. So something ed tech related that, uh, yeah uh, have uh, any of them shown an interest in uh going to medicine or dentistry <laughs> mom and dad?
1: i think um they've seen enough of the the negative impacts of it uh for example when they were very little and i was in the emergency department working nights weekends and holidays uh, they saw the toll that took on me and on uh, some strain in the family with that so uh, i thought for a while my youngest my daughter would be she would uh you know when i'd be in my wife's office she would pop into patient's room and look in their mouth and she's helped me i've sutured up all of my kids and she's always been the assistant there um, <laughs> even though my wife's a dentist she doesn't like the sight of blood of her own kids so but uh no none of them are none of them are going to head in the healthcare direction my oldest is uh, uh, computer programming with a uh, lambda online and uh, my middle kid is totally into the outdoor space skiing and mountain biking and I can see him working at a resort somewhere and my uh, youngest is 100 uh, percent dedicated to soccer and wherever that takes her uh,
0: mm. will remain to be seen well i'm a huge soccer fan uh, i was born in germany and so i've been following her since young but uh, a u.s women's soccer team is a world force so <laughs> absolutely yes she's she's
1: got their books and she's always following uh, their stories on instagram and and uh, the news and everything else that goes along with women's soccer. So hopefully we'll actually see some soccer in the near future. <laughs> yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> Not yeah. looking promising.
0: Yeah. What, what position does she play, your daughter?
1: <laughs> She's a, She plays forward. Yeah. Okay, nice. That's great.
0: Well, Mitchell, this has been a really great conversation. Uh, thank you for for sharing all that you did and uh, candor with respect to uh, this life-changing event you had and how that uh, altered your perspective and um, you know, really shifted your, your, your life. It's, uh, there's it a lot of, uh, inspiration there in terms of, of what you've done. And I mean, I, if we tried to sort of whittle it down to a few phrases, if there was advice you'd have, you'd like to give to people mm-hmm. who find themselves stressed, overworked, spread thin, what would you say? The
1: best phrase that I've heard and I use it almost on a daily basis is this too shall pass. So something that can be applied in today's setting uh, and um, as my mother-in-law's phrase. so okay. something that's stuck with me.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, that's great. Because so I love the, um, the initiative you've shown in all these other areas and the entrepreneurial spirit of um, seeing where there was a need and then uh, crafting a solution for it. It's, uh, it's very impressive. Yeah, and, I appreciate
1: uh, the opportunity to share and I hope uh, your guests find some value in uh, any part of this.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And Mitchell, thank you so much. Uh, It was a great conversation.
1: Yeah, thank you so much.